Hello, it's Tuesday, April 11th, 2023. This is Chip Stewart. Welcome back to the Worthy of Sea podcast. And um, normally I would wait a few days. I'm, my habit has been doing about one podcast uh, a week, but I felt uh, an urgent need to share this with you um, as soon as possible. Um, it really stems from having watched a video clip recently where it claimed to be showing a pastor in Canada being arrested by the authorities. And as you're watching it, the, the person who's taking the video um, was most likely one of his congregations, somebody that, that clearly knew him. And when you listen to what this person was saying, they were yelling derogatory comments at the officers, accusing them of being satanic or, or something to that effect, and, and other things that were clearly... Um, derogatory. Um, I, I don't know who the pastor was. I, I didn't recognize him. I'd never seen his name before. Um, I, I didn't know what he had done that led to his apprehension by the authorities. But what I do want to focus on is what the person was saying who was taking the video, their actions. We have to ask ourselves, if this person was a Christian, is their conduct acceptable to our Lord? Yelling derogatory epithets at these officers, berating them. And based on what the scripture says, I, I have to say emphatically no. Our Lord tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And that's what I want to talk about today. So loving our enemies is a command from our Lord that is critical for us as Christians to understand and obey. This command sets us apart from the world that teaches us to hate. It tells us to hate the other political party, to hate people of another country, to hate people that don't look like us. Basically, hate anyone the world system wants us to hate at that moment in time, and especially hate anyone who wrongs us. But our Lord teaches us differently, and we must understand this. If we turn to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to start in verse 38 and read through 48, but it gives us a good understanding of what our Lord's expectations are of us as his redeemed, as, as sheep of his flock, as his people. And here it says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Then he continues, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? 
Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So why does our Lord say this? And what does this have to do with God's perfection? Well, he's basically telling us to imitate the Father, to imitate God, because God loved his enemies first. He loved us when we were his enemies. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. And this love was demonstrated through the death of his son. What kind of price is that to pay to save your enemies? It's enormous. It, 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 you just can't even fathom the cost that it took. Yet God did so because he loves us. He loves his enemies. So if God loved us while we, were, while we were yet his enemies, how can we not show that same love for our enemies in the hope that we bring them to salvation by being the light of Christ? How can we not show that love? I, I can tell you that, that our adversary, the devil, does not want us to show this love of Christ to others. He wants Christians to hate our enemies. That way, we, they, those, they, our enemies are repulsed. They're repulsed by what they see in Christians, and therefore, they're repulsed by Christ. They don't taste his love and goodness, and they don't come to him. However, this is, what, this is, this is, not, this is not what our Lord tells us to do, to hate our enemies. We are to be shining examples of his love in this world. We're to be reflections of his goodness. What are, what are the people, what are our enemies to think of our Savior if we hate them? How will our enemies be led to Christ if we hate them? We must remember our mission is to make disciples of all the nations, and that includes our enemies. He also tells us to love our neighbor, and enemies probably falls under, probably falls under that as well. But I want us to turn our attention to Saul of Tarsus, who, who was later named Paul by Christ. And what Christ did for him. Let's get a little background on, on Paul and what he did. Let's turn to Acts chapter 7, starting verse 54, and we'll read through um, the first few verses of chapter 8. And this is at the stoning of Stephen. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him, that is, at Stephen. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. 
Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down the garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So here we see Saul, later to be named Paul, persecuting the church, approving of the stoning of Stephen, one of the disciples of Christ. And if you notice Stephen's behavior here, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them, even as they're stoning him to death. Imitating his Savior while on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Would this be our behavior in the same situation? Let's continue. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 2-17, through 17, Paul talks about this. This is after his conversion. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with all faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So you see here, Saul, later Paul, was the epitome of an enemy of Christ. He was actively striving to blot out the church after Christ's resurrection. But God had mercy on Paul, his enemy. How can we do any less? Again, I ask you, how will our enemies be saved? How would many of us have been saved if we had not seen this love of Christ in others, even though they were our enemies at the time? This is what the Lord calls us to do. Even the Old Testament, God tells us to love our enemies. In Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 through 22, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And when I read heap burning coals on his head, I, I see this as that conviction that he sees this goodness, even though he is, he is being evil to someone, he, he's being cruel. They're showing kindness and it convicts him and brings that person to repentance and faith. And then in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 17 through 18, there's a, there's a warning here about rejoicing over the, the fall of our enemies. God tells us, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. So we're not even to rejoice over the, the fall of our enemies. So to summarize, to, to, um, to wrap this up, do not succumb to the lies of the world system that teach us to hate. We've really got to check ourselves on that and 
and follow what our Lord tells us to do. He tells us that we must love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We need to meditate on this and pray about it. To be prepared for these situations that we're going to be faced with. How are we going to act when confronted by our enemies? Think about it. What if they come walking into our churches? How do we respond? We need to see it as an opportunity to demonstrate Christ's love for them. This is, <laughs> it just doesn't seem natural to our human nature, does it? We've got to be ready. We, we need to be ready to be obedient to our Savior because we do not know which one of those people, if not all of them, may be saved because of our conduct. They'll see Christ in us and cry out in repentance and believe on his name. That's our job. Let us never forget that Christ went to the cross to save his enemies. He went to the cross to save us. What a glorious Savior. What a magnificent King. Brothers and sisters, love your enemies. All glory to God. Amen.